la 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 Welcome everybody to episode 18 of the Havana Cafe podcast. I'm Sarah Beth Hunt. And I'm Clay Lowe. And we are hanging out in the sun today. Yes, Absolutely. it is actually warm. Can you believe it? It's the UK and it is some sunshine out. And it's been the last couple of, last two days. Uh, it was actually hot last two days. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's come back down. It was actually hot. Actually having to, you know, open the windows and sleep on top of the sheets. Kind of hot out here. And my favorite thing, and one of the things that I always don't like to complain about, but I end up doing, is I got to sit outside in the evening in my tank top and shorts. I know. And drink a beer. That is the real test to me, too. If I can be in a tank top or in short sleeves outside in the evening and I am not cold. Because I'm, crit- I'm pretty easily cold. Yes. Because like, you're oh. from Florida. That's why you're easily cold, so isn't it? So awesome. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So awesome. All right. So. Anyway. One of the things we were saying about the podcast is that we want to do uh, philosophy, spirituality, and practical wisdom as well. So I think this episode, we wanted to focus on the, the practical wisdom. Um, especially in relationship to productivity and work habits of, of creatives yep. who are out doing their thing or trying to make their their space in the world. Well, this, see, in a way, this is a bit a selfish topic for me because I'm quite interested to hear what your kind of work process is. I always feel like every time I talk to somebody about their work process, I pick up a little tip or just something different that I could... I could steal and uh, use and steal yeah. like an artist. That's right, exactly. <laughs> As it should that be. Right? Yeah. yeah anyway, so. Oh, cool. All right. Well, fire away. So yes, First, I, I suppose like starting out because I think we're both in a situation where neither of us are going to an office having a nine to five or nine to six or eight to six. Right. <laughs> it creeps up for everyone, um, and all of that. You know, I know my husband loves to go to an office. He has a few days working from home, but he loves that structure, and that structure helps him be productive. And so, I, you know, that when you have a structure that supports your work, it's different than working on your own, setting your completely your own goals and being completely responsible to yourself alone. And I think that is it's something you can get used to and be equally productive and, and I love it but I also think there's kind of different challenges that come with that yeah. um, in terms of managing your own time keeping on yourself about not just sitting in the sunshine today and you know I suppose it goes in a number of different ways is where we talk about sort of um, work life balance because there's also the other extreme that you end up working like loads because 
There's you're no never, one that, yeah. There's no one that, you don't feel like I got to escape the office because your your office is your home, and so you're not escaping your home. So you find yourself, you know, it's 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night, and you're still I, at it. I definitely found that to be the case when I was um, kind of in the world of academia because it's, it's the same, you know, you're kind of always working. And in that world, I wasn't in love with my work, yeah. which meant that I really did not like that aspect of it, that there was no off switch. Yeah. For me now, you know, running this own, my own kind of author business and doing all this starting up stuff, I love it. And the more I can work, kind of the better, really. That's it. But, I, I think yeah. that there's, there's still, and there's also, I guess the other level of this is maybe in relationship to the structures, being able to... Um, ditch the structure because can, you can quite easily have a nine to five mentality i.e. I got to get up in the morning you know around nine-ish and I need to be working in order to be in that time frame to feel like I'm doing something forgetting that we now have the ability to set our own hours wherever we would, would like to work and kind of feeling guilty if you're not working between the hours of nine to five I'm yeah. sitting out in the sun and, you, and can still carry a bit of guilt thinking should I be doing some work work um, so yeah and and it's funny you brought this topic up because I've just been reevaluating kind of um, where my sort of work processes and structure and that sort of thing it is kind of going um, and I'm probably one that you would have thought from a military background that you know structures my thing but I don't know, well, is there? I have a, a habit. I guess I make a daily habit, and like morning rituals, and, and there's a number, and we can probably provide some links to that. Uh, there's a number of different articles out around morning rituals and what your morning ritual is. So I'm very habitual in that way. So I'm generally up between 5 and 5.30. But then I use that sort of 5.30 to 7-ish before the rest of the house wakes up to do my reading and or my thinking and or contemplation and or meditation do you go into another room do you have a special space that you go to and do your reading i i tend to go into my my command chair as i call it okay <laughs> and, nice. in uh, your office no it's not in the office so i tend to not read in the office i tend to read in my little lounge chair okay um but lately because it's been so nice i've been is actually this, outside hold on, hold on. <laughs> is this the barca lounger like in friends yeah you, absolutely oh yes. man yeah, no okay. you got it yes that's, <laughs> that's where i do my my reading my meditating from that uh that kind of space but that's generally my morning ritual and then around 7 30 ish 8 i'll go for a two to three mile walk sort of do I would I call it my um, my business you know, meetings you're in the office and working in a corporate there's always meetings isn't it so this is that time is my meeting time because then I can either digest what I've been reading or think about the day and what I have to do or um, attempting to solve some problem that I'm particularly working on like today was about even before I got your um, your video message my meeting my morning meeting was around productivity and what I'm going to be focusing on uh, over the next sort of couple of weeks I think that's a really great thing to do almost every morning at some point is to work that into your morning ritual of even just five or ten minutes when you can sit down in a quiet space with your cup of coffee or on your walk or whatever and, and think about the day before you just start doing it 
it, that helps me enormously. So yeah. then on the days that I actually sit down for a minute in the morning and make a list or kind of think and prioritize what are the chores I need to get done, what are the phone calls I need to make, what, it, what do I actually want to accomplish by the end of the day, then... And sometimes I do that for the week. So I don't have to... Well, <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. I you know, love more to do like long week, time. Yeah. yeah, just in the sense that sometimes if you know that you're not going to have time every day yeah, to sit yeah. down, then it's out. already thought out and you know what you're doing. Yeah, that helps absolutely. me. Yeah. And um, we'll talk about apps in a little bit because you just made me think about an app that I use um, to maybe, while I might not plan the week, I use Things, which is called apps. The app is called Things. And just the way that priority system is, you put everything um, sort of in the inbox without a date or time. And then on the day, you can decide out of the things that are in that box what you're going to work on that day. But you've got a whole list of stuff. So like what you were right. saying about the week, if I just pile everything in, then on a the day I can decide this is the kind of things I get knocked That's out really in that day. That's really interesting, yeah. But I've, I've got sight on all the things I need to accomplish sort of in that week. And you can break it down further in terms of you know, this is a someday thing that I may get to in the future, like maybe 10 years from now, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but the thing that often that I find that, that that maybe throws me off track a little bit is how do you tell from a day-to-day basis whether you're winning or losing, especially in the kind of work that we kind of do. So like from an author and writing, and, you know, me as a blogger, you go on that sort of route. Well, you know, I listened to a podcast um, by this woman called Joanna Pam called The Creative Pen. And so she does a a weekly podcast for indie authors and kind of marketing and stuff. And she's really big on writing down year goal, like yearly goals. So she'll write down her goals for 2016. She'll write down month goals. And that, you know, so, so in a way, I really jive with that too. I really like having it in different you know different stage kind of goals so I have big goals for the year I have monthly goals and where I think I'm, I want to be so that I stay on target and then I have to for each month go okay you know this month my goals are make Facebook ad I last month my goal was to get out my free novella um, and you know, format that and, and actually have that available by the end of last month. And so, you know, I ha- like I know. So those are just some of the things. But you know, I have that on a monthly basis, and then I have to sit down every week and say, okay, what am I doing to move towards those goals so that at the end of the month I can move on and be on the next stage. So I kind of keep track that way. But I suppose. You have to be very clear about what you're trying to do and where you're trying to get to. And if you're still in the stage of the development of your idea that you can't think that far ahead or things are still evolving and you kind of need to just go with the organic flow of things, then maybe that's not the best. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've never been a big goal setter. I have intentions that I set. And, and, and considering the industry that I also am in in terms of the the coaching aspect I'm not a big massive goal set I'm a big believer in you'll do what you need so so to borrow from Anthony Robbins Tony Robbins where he talked about pleasure pain when you Mm -hmm. feel enough 
pain of the not doing, you'll do. And, and you don't have to set a goal. Because, and if you think about the big things that you've accomplished, you probably had a period of time where it was always just kind of a dream and it was there. And then at some point, not having it pushed you and then nothing stops you and you'll, you'll make it happen. And as I look back through my life, I, I, can, I can tick and say yes. Once I've decided I'm doing something, then I'm gone. Um, yeah. I suppose when I was thinking about the winning and losing side, so bringing this all the way down to the sort of the practical level here, it was about the monetary aspect. So right. commercially, how, you know, if we're, so good if it's a, a hobby um, and it's, you know, something that you do for fun, or you do for, um, you know, your, your well health and well-being, me- mental state of mind, that kind of thing. But from a, from a business point of view, how do you tell if you're winning or losing, especially in our sort of, you know... I think that's top of the beginning because obviously, you know, it finally clicked for me a couple of months ago that my writer business, I need to treat it like an actual startup. So, you know, in the sense that I shouldn't be expecting to make money right now. Right now is investment time. And I also shouldn't be expecting to get anywhere if I'm not able, if I'm not willing to put a bit of seed money in. I have, like, obviously with every startup, you have to know how much is a reasonable amount to invest compared to what you know you're going to get back or hope that you're going to get back. Um, yeah, so I think, you know, at the beginning it requires a lot more faith because that you know, check isn't coming in the post every day or into your. But how do you? Month. How do you? And I, and I get where you're coming from. That that you you've, you know you've got to have some kind of lead in time. Um, but at what? How do you keep yourself clear that that isn't a procrastination tool for you know sort of bringing cash in, for instance, or, or making a sale. Um, so do you have in your short-term, medium-term, like, all right, well, there's my time, and when I'm here, I should start bringing in sales at this point in time, or is that an evolving No, I mean, my you? goals, so my yearly goals are, and this is, uh, Joanna Penn would be very happy with me saying this in a public forum, because she's super, <laughs> super into just stating your goals so that then you actually are, yeah, you yeah. know, accountable. But um, so my yearly goals, by the end of the year, I want to have, fingers crossed, a thousand subscribers on my email account, that's, or on my newsletter, that's a high. Yeah. So, but one of my goals earlier this year was to write a novella that I could give away for free that was of good quality, something I was really proud of, that would give people a real sense of the kind of writing that I do. So that I can check that off now. That's available. Oracle's Tales is out. Um, which you can get on yeah. at <laughs> for free. Um, so I think also for me, these kind of goals are helping me balance between the marketing aspect and the writing aspect. Because what I want to do is just sit in a cafe and write my next book. But I know that I also need to get my current work out there and do the marketing side because if I don't do that, then I'm writing for myself and that's not what I want to do. I want my stories to have wings and go out and be enjoyed by people. So if nobody knows about them, so, so I suppose, you know, I have in my mind, okay, this month more marketing and I'm kind of in a way holding the reins back on myself 
to not quite start working on the next novel yet because I haven't kind of completed it's almost like the carrot you know at the end it's like if, if you do these things for the marketing then you get to go back to the next you know yeah do more writing and stuff so that's interesting because I was reading something yesterday um, and I've seen this concept before in relationship to sell the thing before you create it yeah. as in there's it's quite easy for us to, and I, I see this a lot, like I was out networking last night and, and I do that quite frequently, but I see that we, you know, there's a tendency to think that everything that we make is great um, and that every, if we make it then people will buy it. And I've seen the concept that you flip that the other way around, as in you sell it before you make it, so that you know that there's an actual demand for whatever it is that you're making or writing. Um, in fact, one of the books I read was to was was around from a writing point of view, selling your writing before you actually writ, written the, the piece, um, but be that fiction or nonfiction, um, because if there's no if there's no market for it, it might be the greatest thing since sliced bread. But if there's no one interested in it, you know, I think uh, all of the these time. things as I go along, I think more and more that there's a lot of different avenues. There's not a lot. There's there's a few avenues that people can take and be successful. And it's it's sort of also about what kind of product or what kind of thing you're selling. And then also what kind of personality stuff. Yeah. But obviously, it's selling in advance. I mean, there's so much crowdfunding options available for people to do. So, you know... Yeah, um, and the other thing, so, and, and on that, I just lost my train of thought. I had two trains of thoughts going just then. Oh, on back to the winning and losing on a daily basis, because if, like, some of the things you were just outlining to me um, prior to that segment reminded me of my days as a financial consultant, so as a, as a salesperson, basically. And, you know, you break your day your week down to task and if you accomplish those tasks and you have faith that faith that by doing those tasks they'll lead to having a, a an appointment which will then lead to being able to pitch and then it'll lead to business so for instance when i was a financial consultant we had to make 100 contacts a day and that was saying my name you know and what i did and, and asking you know introducing myself to 100 different new people a day with the idea that if you do that a hundred times then you'll have maybe ten of those will be interested and maybe two of those will turn into an appointment and then to focus on just that hundred not to focus on oh I need you know ten thousand this month or whatever but focus on those individual tasks that lead to the bigger to bigger space um, and then that's one of the things I think in what we do now it's like so on a, so like today what constitutes success for today, and those are things that are on my list, although I might accomplish them, do they actually move me closer to um, a sale or yeah. a new client? Um, great, have a, an organized task list, and I'm knocking those things off, but are they the right things on the list to um, Yeah, I think that's a constant them? process of reassessment for yeah. me, and I think that it's the one thing that I can say that I feel with certainty is that it has very little to do with numbers you know I think that we're really obsessed with numbers yeah. so now and I would 100% disagree with you on that, that oh, point. bring it 100% 
Um, and and I always boil it back down to, to this. And, and I know we do all sorts of other things, but my very first sales manager was a very wise man. And in the end of the day, it is just a numbers game. If you talk to enough people... But like you said, then you, once you get to a certain number... You focus on those. You bring quality to them. You don't just continually go for more and more numbers and dilute your ability to, you know, deliver. Depends. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And, 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 and this is where, I guess this is where we struggle as, the, put in, so you've got a couple of hats we're wearing as well. We've got to put the business hat on. We've got to put on the creative hat and if you and, and someone last night, I went to a networking, and it was great because he brought this concept. And this is, I'm glad you brought this topic up because it actually seems like, you know, the universe is saying, "Here's a conversation you have to have." Because it, the speaker last night was he asked everybody um, about DFS and do they have a sale on? And most everybody, I guess, in the UK, um, D- DFS, do they sell couches? Yes. And he's, he's like, you know, for 30 years they've been saying the same thing. So you know that DFS sells couches. So when it's time for you to go get a couch, that probably comes up in your mind. But they're constantly, and they've got the funds to do this, constantly putting that, that message out. Whereas a lot of times with us, for, for solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, writers, artists, that sort of thing, is that we're not, we don't have that constant push. And we think that the one time, so like last night he was making the point that, you would have met somebody then you think, oh, I like that, but by the time you get home, everything else will come, and you'll remember that you may have met this person and that it fades. So it's on the other person to constantly be drip-feeding themselves into your life so that when you do get around to thinking about product, service, whatever that, that is, that your name is in the frame. And, and that reminds me again, right back to my, my sort of bro- broker days, um, and, and it was that... If you think about the, the sales funnel, if we don't keep a lot of numbers, and this is coming back to your point here, that top of the funnel, right. you have to be putting loads of numbers in because that loads of numbers eventually becomes the, the end. But this it. is the difference between like traditional interruption marketing and permission marketing mm. you know, that Seth Godin makes. Um, you know, that, that there is that interruption marketing and all that used to work. For, so for DSF... It's you know that he, they established the money to do it. well, and they established themselves during a time in which interruption marketing was effective. But I think for us, you know, I mean, this is why you know everyone is so enamored by newsletters because you know you you can then stay in contact with someone who might in the future be interested in what you're doing. And you can actually just keep a, a line of communication open with them. So, you know, I mean, I think that... So, but the, so, but go ahead, the email letter is exactly that, is you want it to be massive because mostly no one's going to read your newsletter. So if your newsletter is, you know, has 100 on, the probably open rate, read rate is going to be like one or two out of that that are going to actually open it up and read it. So that's why your number has to be huge sort of that percentage of people that actually open it and read it is I think, a I think what, what you're hitting on though is a re- like to get back to the original kind of question is you know and, and how you how you manage your time how you stay productive is that you know there is a constant 
reassessment of where your focus should be. What is what is most effective for you to do, so that you know you can be working hard, but not actually on getting right anywhere. Things, you yeah. have to be working on the right at things. the right on the right things yeah. exactly. And yeah. those those right things sometimes change. Sometimes you find yourself with more information about something, or new information, or some other opportunity comes up, and you need to reassess. But I think also, you know. There's something that you said earlier that really stuck with me because, you know, for for both of us who don't have that traditional structure, and you were saying that, you know, we never stop, but then, you know, that there's a, a you can either not get anything done or you can work too much is, you know, kind of the two sides of that. Um but I think that's, that kind of also feeds into finding the right balance of doing stuff during the day because there's two, either two, excuse, you know, two excuses that go yeah. on in my mind. One is that I don't have enough time, but there's been other times in my life, and I know people in that situation now, that have too much time on their hands, and it's equally ineffective in terms of it's really hard if you have too much time on your hands like you quit your job to you know start your own business and suddenly like there's a full day every day open to you to actually be effective and productive in that day if you don't set yourself up with good habits with it with whatever structure works for you Hmm. you know and that's the thing and because I was having this conversation with myself is that in actuality we don't need to read another book go on another course I don't need any more equipment um, and it was great. I was watching. Have you seen the series um, How I Met Your Mother? No, but I've heard yeah. it's great. Well, one of the episodes, you're the, the, one of the main characters, Ted, he's done exactly what you've just said there. He quit his job at the architecture firm, and he's opened up his own firm, and he's in his house. And now he suddenly has all this time. But he's he's buying, he's working on a brochure, deciding where the company retreat's going to be. He's doing everything except getting on the phone to call a new customer. His roommate keeps saying at some point you need to pick up the phone but he's like ah and I got a what's the right colour pencils to have and and he's thinking about the stationery then he even goes out and hires an intern and so he's doing all the things around except to pick up the phone and this comes all the way back to my my sales manager, my first very first one um, and and this whole numbers game and talking to enough people so that you actually stand a chance. And regardless of whether we call it disruptive marketing or old-style marketing, I think it still comes to the same thing. If you don't talk to enough... And this is the thing that I have to, have to keep reminding myself, is that it's easy to get distracted by those other things, but if you're not talking to enough new people every single day... Like, I, like right now, when I look at my um, statistics on the website, I've, I have a plateau of number. In order to make that number grow, if I keep doing the same thing that I'm doing, like I'm not feeding the top, it's going to stay at that number. It's got to that number because I kept feeding the top. What I need to know is how many people did I feed in the top to make that number where it is. And that's what we call finding the end back in the days when I was a broker. So if it's like finding your end, which is if I do 100 contacts a day, new people that I introduce to my product or service, out of those, I get 10 people that will be interested, five will be this. Once you know that number, then I'll focus on getting my 100 because I know the trickle-down effect is that, and that builds the list. And I think it's the same with our email list. And um, like yesterday, some, or was it, no, it was Sunday, Sunday, Saturday, I was at a, a music festival, and the guy was giving away CDs, 
in exchange for the email list. Now in my head, I'm thinking, now people might go and they'll get the free CD and give up the email, but it, do they really want your newsletter that's gonna to come? Or was it I gave up my email because I know I can opt out or not read it or let it go into spam just so I can get the CD. So what was questioning in my head is, is because the number's large, does it need to be a quality large number that are going in, or is it just the fact of making it large? But if I go back to my old sales manager, and I would say, yeah, just make it 10,000, because out of that 10,000, if you got a 10% open rate, then that number is significant. Um, yeah, or you can go that long tail that I was talking about to me the other day, which is find a thousand true fans. So I only have a thousand people on my list, but they are actually people who want my stuff, who want to be on a list, will spend a hundred pounds a year on buying my stuff so it's like a more quality list but yeah but I suppose it's the difference between taking the marketing approach and taking the sales approach yeah I think that um yeah no that's true and this is kind of the world that we're in in terms of entrepreneurship and then I think you know there's that other I don't know I think you know this even applies in my in my mind this this is even important for people who just want to work in hobbies into their life and stuff, you know, that they want to start running or they want to start, I don't know, whatever they want to do, Hmm. you know, because I think that then all these same excuses kind of come up. Like I don't have time. I don't know how to fit that in. Whatever. And I think that, um, you know, sometimes, you know, everybody's in a different situation in terms of their schedule, but I think what I've really noticed more recently about being a full-time parent and, and having very, very small chunks of time is that if you don't, it actually, sometimes, it, instead of complaining about how I never have enough time, which I, <laughs> which I do, uh, complain, I mean, you know, sometimes I think, Sarah, that's actually a gift because that makes you really, really effective in the time that you have. So when I know I have all day, which is never now, but, you know, when I used to know that I had all day to do something, you know, I, I stuff around a lot. Yeah. You know, you have a lot more time to just, which there's nothing wrong with that, but I think, you know, over time, it's okay to do for a day or two, but in the long term, you can't just spend every day doing that if you want to accomplish your goals. And I think having those discrete chunks of time has really been a different kind of training process for me, I guess is what it is. So I think for people who are listening who want to, you know, either start a new business on the side but can't afford to quit their day job or want to integrate a a new hobby or a new, just, just something else into their life that they haven't been able to do before, I think sometimes you really need to just change your attitude about having too little time and see that as, okay, well... Find a pocket of time, and then, you know, I'll give you another example. So I've just, like in the past six months, gotten back into my running a bit. And by running, I mean very slow jogging. Yeah. And by <laughs> by uh, running, I mean 12 minutes, maybe, going around. I have a little okay. loop that I do. Yeah. But I'll tell you, keeping it very small and achievable means that I'm going out. Well, I'll do, I'll do a little bit longer on the weekends, but... Um, you know, at least twice a week in the mornings I get out 
And I know I can get out for 10, 12 minutes, 15 minutes, and that's fine. Um, While my husband's still home getting ready for work and the kids are, you know, sorted and stuff. Um, But I also know that I only have that very, very small chunk of time to do that in. So I have no dialogue in my head anymore about should I go today? Should I go now? Maybe I'll go in an hour. Like, I know if I don't go now, today, it's not happening. So having that small chunk of time is actually really great. It's, it's interesting, the, uh, again, the approach, isn't it? Because, um, and I think it comes down to the priority, because I've always made exercise the priority, and then I fit everything else around it. So I never, so like I, I'm, I'm with you, I think, in fact, in, in the matrix. It doesn't matter what it is, though. No, is it? It, yeah. it doesn't matter what it is. And then in the matrix, you say, how can you ever have time unless you you take time so just take it don't have it you just take it um, and so yes from the exercise point because a lot of people say oh, I don't have time to exercise ah. and but it's it, it is really put your priority because I think people have time it's just what do you do with your time and it, you know it's the same thing like thinking about writing and stuff if you want you know there's so many people who want to write or want to meditate or want to do yoga or something in the morning at some point, you have to get out because you have to take kids to school or you have to go to your job or you have to do whatever you have to do that day. So if you know you only have a certain time in the morning that you have to do it or it's not getting done. Yeah. Like, I don't trick myself. I, I no longer have a dialogue about doing things in the evening in my own head. Like, I don't say to myself, oh, I don't feel like doing it this morning. I'll do it after work. Because I know myself. I do not do things in the evening. Yeah. I am done by the evening. Yeah. So, and that's different for some people. Some yeah, people love their evening runs and stuff. But I know if I'm not, if I'm doing not, I'm not doing the things that I want to do in the morning, they don't get done. Yeah. So it's like now or never, go. And that, that was, that, and that, um, that for me is it's the same as like when, when our kids were younger and all that, and there was lots more stuff going on. It's like I could either fight it in the day and in the evening as in, oh, I'm trying to, get, or... I, my answer was just not to sleep very much. So I don't. I used, you know go to bed at midnight and up at four because then I could have from four to, to three, seven to do stuff. So I have three hours that I call play time, me time. Nobody wants anything from me. There's no emails coming in. There's nobody asking for anything. Can you do this? And I was guaranteed to have that time to myself. And then, and then the way I look at it, if I had those my three hours. Then the rest of the day, it's like, all right, well, it doesn't matter. I've done my stuff. Yeah. It's the obstacles the way, yeah, isn't yeah. it? I've done my stuff. Now everybody yeah. else can have their other piece. And the only other thing that would stop is regardless of anything else, I always you know, spend this sort of hour and a half uh, in the gym regardless of what else was going on. So, yeah, I think you're right. In terms of time, you kind of make the priorities of time and then you can um, put things around that. I think... You also, I was also thinking about uh, Gary V. I don't know if you read any of his stuff in relationship to and um, what we focus on. And, you know, there's this thing about time and hustle. And um, when I, I said about sales approach or marketing approach, you know, I started out as a salesman, which we were always not in, there was always a battle between sales and marketing. Because sales, we just want to go out and you just meet people and you talk. Where marketing is like, oh, I want to build a story, I want to do this thing, and people will eventually come to you. Um, and I wonder, and it's maybe a topic for another discussion. Um, as a startup, 
where does your focus need to be at in the beginning so do we have the luxury of marketing which is a longer term game or do we need to spend those beginning years uh, in a sales focused approach so like the guy that was speaking yesterday he says everybody sees the end of my journey so yeah. now people are calling me and I'm getting offers to speak and I get paid but nobody focuses on the seven years that I spent going all over the country just to speak at somebody's group for two to five minutes. Yeah, and I think that's probably a point, you know, for a bigger discussion too, just in terms of like, how do you need to, what kind of attitude do you need to have in your own mind? How do you need to set your mind to start doing something new? And again, I think, you know, once you get into your routine, once I know that, you know, I run every Tuesday and Thursday morning, that's it, you know, unless it's really raining, those are my days, and that's when Come I have on. the time to go. Rain. You, don't, you don't melt, do you? <laughs> Come on, the rain to the best days. Wow. <laughs> I've had my best run times in the rain when I was in the army. We were doing our two mile run. Every, oh my gosh, you were every one of those new people. Like, record yeah. it was when it was raining. Because right. it takes your mind off of yeah. the run and the pain. So I could, True. Because the rain is just cleansing you. See, I don't run for pain, <laughs> I run for 12 minutes. There's no pain in 12 minutes. But no, I mean, you know, I think that. My point is that your your mental state that you you know in yoga I always talk about you have your physical posture you have your mental posture you know what your mental posture at the beginning of a new thing is going to be different than it is you know a year or two down the road in the habit. I know what I wanted to say about hmm. Alan Sugus and the um, Apprentice, and and again I I think. It shows a difference between marketing and sales because he gives them tasks and they only have a couple of days and they go out and they make money because mm. they're not they're not focusing on the things that I think that we can use to distract ourselves. They're actually going yeah, just going to do it and going and doing it. Yeah. Um, and then and I think that's the same kind of vein that sort of a Gary Vaynerchuk kind of school of thinking is. It's like you know what, that's some good stuff, but. Whoosh, you know, especially in the beginning until enough people know about your name yeah. um, that you can then sort of, sort of focus on the sort of marketing end. Yeah. I think, and we'll, we'll wrap this up, I think there's a lot of, and I drew a bell curve on this, maybe we can talk about this offline, I think there's a, a mass of people who are selling us entrepreneur, people who want to do this stuff, and they're selling us this because they know, they know their market. They know these people are trying to you know, we're trying to break in. So I'll sell you on my contract. I was looking at, and I maybe shouldn't mention name, but Facebook marketing lady. I'll just say that, you know, and she knows her market. So she knows there's a bunch of people out here who want to live the dream, work themselves in their life, and then so she just focuses on the Facebook thing. And here I can, say, oh yeah, I need to do Facebook ads, and so they're there. Um, and I'm saying all that to say is I think there's a in the world at the moment there's a lot of marketeers who are focused at the people who want to create, start up, do their own small business, they see a market to focus on that and then everyone, they're eating that all up, which I don't actually think we need those, there's very, very, very simple principles and I think if we focus back on the very basics, which is the thing that I was reading yesterday and I'll send you the link and maybe include on this, that takes it right back to the basics and you don't actually need any other thing except those basics yeah. and then you can be a success but it's easy to get distracted by everybody as you said 
um, you know, if this come out, then there's another way to do it, and then you're reading that, and you're hearing this on that podcast, you, and before you know it, you're trying all these different things, where, like in the Army, um, we always only focused on the fundamentals. No matter whatever we were doing, no matter how many times we did attack a, a, a defensive position, you know, we could do it in our sleep, but before every operation, literally, we're out in the field, Imagine a bunch of grown men standing in a field, <laughs> walking through those simple battle drills. Forget all the elaborate stuff. It's boom. Put your weapons down. Joe Snuffy, you stand there, and we will walk. And and we've done it a thousand times before every every operation. We would always go back to those fundamentals and just drill it over and over and over and over and again. So I don't know if that's giving you an insight into my. <laughs> Work yeah, practice, yeah. <laughs> um, but maybe it's giving you an insight into my thinking and where my thinking is at uh, at the present. Sort of